Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus declared the famous verse, quote, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What most of us don't know, however, is that in verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, quote, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you have a lifestyle of truly forgiving others when they sin against you, or do you have only a half-hearted and surface forgiveness? Let's open our Bible now that we may learn and understand what true Christ-like forgiveness really looks like. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday morning here in Texas, and it's a good morning to be talking about Jesus, talking about how to emulate Jesus. And today we're going to talk about uh, forgiveness and forgiving others, which is interesting because that's something that Jesus has done. Jesus has forgiven us when we've accepted him and when we've received him. But Jesus has never done anything that we should forgive him. So it's, a, it's an interesting topic because it's something that, that our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, have never had any cause or reason to ask for forgiveness because certainly they have never done anything needing forgiveness. Uh, uh, our triune God is perfect, sinless, in Jesus Christ, our Lord, God, the son, the son of God, the God man um, was the only sinless human being in the history of the world. The only sinless human being there will ever be in the history of the world. And that's why we all need him. That's how he can be the savior is because he was without sin. Therefore, he could be a sacrifice for the sin of the world. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so we're talking about um, what is true forgiveness and and really, you know, what does it really look like to forgive others? One of the, you know, one of the biggest difficulties for most Christians is to have a lifestyle of genuine forgiveness to those that have, have wronged them, have betrayed them, and, and people who are just, you know, generally, you know, just selfish and self-serving toward us, you know, oftentimes it's easy to harbor, you know, bitterness and, and anger. And that can even move into rage and that can even move into malice. Last time we read the Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Paul said, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander in every form of Malice, verse 32, Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven of all our sins, past, present, and future. Without Jesus Christ, there, there is no forgiveness. But we're to emulate our heavenly Father. There is really no greater punishment for a true Christian in the scriptures than an unwillingness to forgive. Um, we're still Christians if we're genuinely saved, but nowhere in the scriptures are, do we undergo greater discipline from our heavenly father, discipline in the way of trials and hardships um, that otherwise we wouldn't have to undergo 
because of a, of an unwillingness to genuinely forgive. So we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that again today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we we worship you today and we thank you today, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could certainly never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we certainly deserve to die. We thank you that you're alive and risen, and we worship you today, our risen Savior, our risen Master. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we dig into the Word of God. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. So today we're going we're gonna to pick up in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 12 to 14. Uh, pretty much everyone who's who's listening to this for the most part has probably heard of the Lord's Prayer and and the Catholics call it the, the Our Father, the famous prayer in uh, Matthew 6, 9 to 13, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So most of us have known that prayer. Um, again, if we were born and raised Catholic, we learned that at a, at a very young age. I was born and raised Catholic. I don't know if I ever, if I ever mentioned that. Um, I, I went through and I made my communion. I never understood what it meant to need a savior. Um, it was it was more of a, a you know just a you know a religious experience and doing what 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 you did. Um, and it wasn't until I was 27 or 28 years old that I became a, a genuine Christian, that I, I came to understand my hopeless, helpless, desperate state, that I needed a savior. And, and without Jesus, only the wrath of God and eternal hell awaits, right? And, and with that understanding, I ran to the foot of the cross and received Jesus as my Lord and savior. But when you look at Matthew 6, and we're going to just look at verses 12 to 15, it says, you know, forgive us our debts or trespasses, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So I left out uh, verse 13 there, right? So again, verse 12, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. But now look what Jesus says in verse 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So that's a very sobering statement, okay? So I've said it, uh, I said it the last time, when we've been hurt, when we've been slandered, when we've been betrayed, when people have gossiped about us, um, when we've treated people what we believe to be well, and then people treat us with disregard or selfishness, or they speak about us in hurtful and harmful ways, it can, it can cause a lot of hurt and pain in us. 
And we, we can want to hold on to that. We can even meditate on it. And it can turn into bitterness, rage, and even malice, as we read right in, uh, in, in Ephesians 4, verse 30. Malice. Malice is when you want harm to come to another individual. When you, when you desire bad things hurt or harm to come to come to someone else and it is a it is a very very sinful state to be in this place and again all of us have experienced you know ways where we have been mistreated but look what Jesus said for if you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive your sins and what he, what Jesus is talking about here again is this is not a salvation verse this is not talking about forgiving your sins so that you can go to heaven. This is forgiveness so that in, in the way of not having to receive just punishment, not having to receive uh, a full measure of the punishment of our heavenly father that we deserve as his children, meaning as his children, when we live in deliberate and unrepentant sin, or even when we sin and we repent, our heavenly father disciplines us as, as any parent does their children. Right. But if you if you're forgiving toward other people when they've sinned against you and they've hurt you and they've harmed you, your heavenly father will be gracious to you and you won't undergo the same level of discipline as someone who is unwilling to forgive others their sins. And that's a big deal when you think about it. Certainly all of us as Christians and disciples of Jesus, you know, still you know, throughout our day, there'll be times where we'll have wrong thoughts or we'll speak wrong words or we'll, you know, we'll do wrong things. And, and that's sin. And, and, and certainly I don't want to have to be punished by my heavenly father to the full extent of what I've done wrong. I, you know, I want to live in a lifestyle of forgiveness toward others. Now, it doesn't mean I just have a lifestyle of, you know, living in, in deliberate sins so that I can then forgive others and I'm not, you know, not going to be punished as much as, as I should be. But every one of us should understand that, you know, we, we don't want our Heavenly Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit to really to hold us to an account for the full measure of our sin. I mean, who could bear it? But again, if, if you look into your life and you see a, a, just a consistent level of trial and hardship and difficulty and hurt and pain, examine your heart. Look to see if, if there are people in your life that, that you're still bitter against, you're still angry against. And you, you cannot say, you cannot say, well, I forgive them, but I don't forget what they've done or how they've treated me or what they said or, or any of that. that. That is not true biblical forgiveness. Okay. Now to forget doesn't mean that it's washed from the, the existence of your memory. It doesn't mean you have no account of what's happened, but it literally means to forgive and forget from a human perspective simply means that you forget to be upset about it. You forget to be angry about it. You forget to be bothered by it. And when you think of the person that's wronged you or in whatever way they have, you simply just, you, you, you desire the Lord's mercy on them. You want them to be blessed. Now, this is the essence and the depth 
of what it truly means to forgive others. So again, look inside yourself and, and see where you are in this. Look at uh, Matthew eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So again, when we're in prayer, okay, an aspect of prayer is hindered at a certain level if we're harboring unforgiveness against others. So again, this, is, this really is an essential topic. Look at, uh, look at the example that Jesus gave us in uh, Luke 23, 34. Luke 23, 34. Jesus is now on the cross. He's been nailed to the cross. He's been tortured in an unspeakable manner to within an inch of his life. He's hanging on the cross naked, brutally tortured. Religious leaders are hurling insults at him. It, 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 you would think if there was ever a point for bitterness and rage and anger and malice, this would be the point. Okay? Jesus is our example in this in a way that is literally incomprehensible. And yes, this is the example that we are commanded to follow. Many people will be tempted to say, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not. And I'm not Jesus. But we are certainly called to emulate him in every manner and in every way. We're not God, but we're supposed to be people who on a finite level live like we're, we're Jesus, live like Jesus lived, right? Um, but Luke 23, 34, it says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Mm. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. No bitterness, no anger, but pity. You know, what is it like in your hardest moment? What is it like when you've been treated so poorly, so disrespectfully, so selfishly, you've been hurt in whatever way you've been hurt. In that, in that moment when it's happened, to have nothing but pity and desire forgiveness from your heavenly father for the person that's wronged you. The example of Jesus here is really there is no comparison. Again, he was, he was sinless. He was perfect. He was God. He walked the earth with tremendous love. He never lied. He told the truth. He healed sicknesses and diseases. He was generous to everyone. And he was giving his life on behalf of humanity so that the forgiveness of sins and the door of salvation to spend eternity in heaven and escape an eternity in hell would be opened. And he was rejected and misused and tortured and killed and spit on. And yet, in genuine love, he prays to the Father. You know, in his hardest moment, when he was being the most ill-used, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Lord, I'm just so convicted now, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. It seems like, you know, 
doesn't seem like, Lord, when I have been mistreated, when I have been treated selfishly, Lord, when I have been treated disrespectfully, Lord, when when I have been ill-used, Lord Jesus, I have uh, I have so often not responded in this way. I've responded with my own anger and frustration and, and even bitterness. So just, Lord, I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash us, Father, in the blood of Jesus. I ask you to forgive us this unrighteousness. And Holy Spirit, we ask you now, I ask you now to help us one and all to follow the example of our King and our Master and our Savior, Jesus. Convict us, Holy Spirit. Point us to Jesus that we too may live a life of genuine forgiveness, that we may say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Stephen in Acts 7 is a man of God. He's a man that in the early church loves Christ and is zealously preaching Christ. He's serving others. He's been arrested by the, the, the religious elite who rejected Jesus. And he has testified with the most magnificent testimony of the reality of Christ from, from, the, from the beginning when God called Abraham all the way to Jesus. And he's masterfully laid out in a way that they cannot deny that Jesus is the Christ, that, that, that all these accusations against him were not true. And, and he proclaims when he's finished, he says in Acts 7, 56 to 60, look, he said, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Verse 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. His last two requests are prayers directly to Jesus. First, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knows his death is coming in seconds. And before that, that last blow, before he's unconscious and killed, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He's not only forgiving them, but he's requesting that Jesus forgive them. How profound is that? How profound is that? Again, at his worst moment when he's being the most ill-used, again, this is a level of Christian maturity. This is the pinnacle of what it looks like to be a devout Christian. Most of us, really all of us listening to this, you know, can look back and, you know, see in the moment how we acted poorly and, and reason that this is what the Bible's saying. And of course we need to forgive whatever's been done to us. And we need to grow in that more and more and more and more. But the examples I just gave with Jesus and now Stephen are, are when this, in the moment it was happening, there's no anger or bitterness, but just the desire to see these people forgiven and that this sin would not be held against them. And, uh, and again, I just confess that, you know, 
I, I'm, I believe I'm, I'm much better. But again, when, when I'm being ill-used in that moment, when I'm being spoken to in a disrespectful fashion or someone is selfish or self-serving or I'm just being treated in an unjust way, it's very hard that in that moment to truly have a, a love of Christ for them and to just have it have no effect on me. I just confess that that's, that's not where I'm at. And I'm sorry, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Father. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, let's look at uh, a story in Luke 7. We're going to read 40 to 43 and then 47. So Jesus is in the house of a man named Simon. And in Luke 7, 40, he says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Verse 41, two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which one, now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose who had, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Now look at verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And so in the verses that I left out, um, Jesus points to a woman who came and, you know, and, and was, was washing Jesus's feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. And it was, you know, it's just an incredible scene. And, you know, and, you know, the, the woman was a, had lived a very sinful life. And people were judging not only the woman, but Jesus in their heart. And they were judging in their heart. They were saying, you know, if Jesus was all that, he would know what kind of disgusting woman this was. They were having just these nasty thoughts that Jesus shouldn't be allowing such a disgusting woman to touch him. And that just goes to show you, right? Here's our example. Jesus is not above anything, right? This is the only sinless being in the history of the world, the only sinless man in all human history. And yet, you know, he's allowing a woman who had lived in, a, uh, you know, an extremely sinful life in promiscuity and even prostitution and all these things um, to, to touch him and cry and wipe the tears off with her hair, Right. And so, you know, Jesus gives Simon this example of two men owed money to a certain money letter. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay it back, so he canceled the debts of both. And Jesus says, which one will love him more? And Simon answers correctly and says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Okay, so Simon reasons correctly. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Okay, so Simon is trying to think of this and says, okay, you know. And what Jesus is saying is, you know, uh, Simon, you know, was a, was a godly man, but yet he, he was unable to see the level of his own sin. He was unable to see that, Although certainly the woman had lived a more sinful life than Simon did, Simon himself still had a debt. Simon himself still was, was a sinner and he needed a savior, 
even though Simon, this man Simon, was laboring to live a, a, a life according to the word of God. So when Jesus gives the example of the one with 50 and the one with 500, he's saying the woman has lived a more sinful life. And But Simon, you too have lived a sinful life, and neither one of you can pay for your sin. You see, most of us get caught up here. Most of us have this idea. All of us as rational people would admit that we have sin in our life, but we somehow think that because our sin is less than someone else, that we're superior. Okay. Now, now your sin may well be less than other people. Other people may live a far more sinful life, but yet Jesus is, is confronting this attitude of self-righteousness where you really believe you're superior to another person because, you know, you're living a, a quote, more, more moral life than, than they do. But look at, look at here in verse 47. Remember, the, the woman is kissing Jesus' feet. She's wiping them with her hair. And, and Jesus, and you know what, I'm going to turn there just because I think this context is important. So let's turn to Luke, and I'm going to start reading in verse 44, Luke 7, as I just read all that. Okay, Luke 7, verse 44 says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little, loves little. None of us have been forgiven little. But Simon was, was, under the, was under the impression that, yeah, you know, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I'm a, I'm a sinner. I know that I've done some wrong. But I'm not, like, bad like that disgusting woman, right? Like, it's okay for, for Jesus to, to sit with me, but Jesus shouldn't let this terribly sinful woman sit with him. And what Jesus is showing is that this woman understood how sinful she really was, and Simon didn't. Now, again, let this sink in. This is so paramount in understanding forgiving others, okay? It's not until we understand how bad we really are Jesus called us evil, right? We talked about it in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter, you remember we talked about it in Matthew or Matthew 7? Um, yeah, um, um, yeah, verse, uh, verse 11, Matthew 7, if you then, though you are evil, right, um, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So again, it's not until we understand that we too are evil, hopeless, wretched sinners, that we needed a savior. And at the foot of the cross, all of us are evil. 
all of us are in desperate need of a savior. That's why the example Jesus gave was that neither one could pay back the money lender. Although one only owed 50, right? You know, because he only owed 50, he didn't appreciate it as much as the one who had 500. So in this case, the woman, Jesus says, therefore I tell you her many sins have been forgiven because she recognized her sinfulness. Unfortunately, when we have this self-righteous view of ourselves, when we have this, this moral superiority in ourselves, as the religious leaders did certainly in Jesus' day, and certainly the Spirit's alive and well in our churches, we're not aware of how bad we really are, and we're not, at, we're, not, we're not able to act in a loving and forgiving and merciful way to others. Luke 7, 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And what really Jesus is saying is, he who, who thinks he's been forgiven little, because all of us have been forgiven an incomprehensible debt. So again, Father, I ask you to forgive us again, Lord. Forgive us, Father, again, where we've just acted in a where we've acted in a moral superior way, where we've we've been believing that that we're less sinful as someone else, and you know where we've been self righteous in our lives, Lord. We want to know we've been forgiven much, so that we can love much and forgive others. Wow. And then finally, we'll end here with Matthew eighteen verses twenty one and twenty two. It's interesting. Peter comes to Jesus and he's got a question. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. What's, what's in Peter's mind here? Okay. Peter wants to know, okay, I know this is the great Simon Peter, right? Jesus is apostle. Uh, you know, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times, okay? So even Peter understands that there is a, an immense biblical principle on forgiveness. But he wants to know when he's reached that limit and say, okay, enough is enough already. I can't forgive that man no more. And what does Jesus say to him? Does Jesus say, yeah, Peter, I think seven times is good. No. Look what he says, Matthew 18, 22. Je Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, right? And in the other version, it says sins against me in a day, okay? And some versions say 70 times seven, which is, of course would be 490. And the point that Jesus is saying is, is Peter, there is no limit to the need and the, and the necessity of you living in a lifestyle of growing in complete forgiveness toward others. And so again, really where we want to go on this is you want to have a lifestyle where you're looking, where you can see in your life, am I growing in greater forgiveness? And, and all of us, if we're candid, if we can think about how we've been wronged in some way or some past slight or how we were, again, ill-used or treated badly or spoken to disrespectfully, if we think about it for a couple of minutes, we can get angry all over again. That's where we know we haven't reached the fullness or the pinnacle of forgiveness because the pinnacle of forgiveness is You've forgotten to be angry about it. Even when the thought comes up, you're not only not angry, you want that. You want what's best for that other person. You desire their, their blessing. You desire that, that Jesus would, would just bless them and save them and that they would have a blessed life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Well, Father, we do thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. Father, we do ask you to reveal to us any unforgiveness in our lives, Father, toward others. I ask you to forgive me, Father, for any unforgiveness I hold toward others. Forgive us, Father, where we have held on to forgiveness. Father, I ask you to help us and lead us to live a lifestyle of growing in ultimately complete forgiveness. Help us, Father, to truly forgive and to forget to even be upset or angry. Father, I know, you know many of us have been wronged in horrible, horrible, horrible ways. But Father, I ask you to help us to see that, that Jesus had to become a man, that our God had to become a human man and die a torturous death for us and live a life on our behalf because we were so horrible, because we were indeed evil. And help us to emulate you, Lord Jesus. Help us to emulate you and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And help us to emulate our big brother, Stephen, who 2,000 years ago said, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Help us, Father, to do this even in the moment where we're being wrong. I know it's not easy, but we ask for your mercy, Holy Spirit. We ask for your help. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.